For the next hour, you'll be leaving the show me state and entering the show me the money state. So stop what you're doing, grab a pen, and get ready to learn, people. Because you're tuned to the Ozarks' number one show about your money. Randy Floyd, founder of Floyd Financial Group, will be your guide for straight talk about living the life you deserve in retirement. Prepare to be empowered. Now, here's your show me the money host, Randy Floyd. Good morning and welcome to Show Me the Money with Randy and Jake Floyd, the radio show that gives you the straight talk and honest answers you need to help you reach your wealth management and retirement goals through smart investing and careful planning. My name is Jeff Shade and as always, I'm just here to ask the questions, but the words of wisdom and solid advice come from Randy and Jake Floyd of Floyd Financial Group. First off, Randy, how you doing today? Very well, Jeff. How about you? I am doing fantastic and Jake, how's this morning treating you? Doing very well, Jeff. Thanks for asking. Glad to hear that. Hope our listeners are doing well today, too. Here we are together again on the radio. It is the end of January. We were talking off the air a little bit, Randy, that I'm ready for spring. <laughs> I don't know about the rest of yep. you. Yeah, yeah, I'm ready. Yeah. Jake, I know that you can take the cold weather just a little bit longer. You know, I'm ready for the sun to shine. Though. Okay. It's, well, it's starting to get a little, uh, this, this overcastness every single day starts to get to me after a while, too. Well, on today's show, gentlemen, we have got a lot to talk about. We're going to unpack it here. Let's start off with current events, first of all. What's going on that piques your interest? Well, you know, there's a lot of things going on out there that kind of pique our interest right now. I don't know if you've been watching what's going on, you know, just with the supply chain issues and things. Of course, it all ties back to Jerome Powell raising interest rates, trying to kill inflation, and of course, the fact that we had supply chain issues for a while where you couldn't buy anything, no matter how much money you had for a while. We're starting to see uh, used car prices have come down quite a bit. We're seeing Mm -hmm. all of a sudden there are cars on the parking lots of these car dealerships now. And the other thing that I noticed is they're starting now to also give rebates again, and they're also discounting financing. I heard 2.9% this morning for 60 months. And, you know, the banks can't really go borrow money for anywhere near that amount of money right now because the Federal Reserve has raised interest rates to four and a quarter. If you're looking at the prime rate, it's going to be five, five and a half. So, you know, they're starting to have to discount because guess what? These guys have to move that inventory. They can't let it sit there, right? Right. And I've always wanted to go to the dealership and look for a brand new car that was two or three years old. And occasionally you might find one that's a year and a half old, but that is not the case anymore. What do you think has happened here since the beginning of the year that has caused this to turn around a bit? You know, Jeff, to your comment there, I think that day may be coming here. Oh, okay. That two or three year old new car. We'll have to see because the car companies are going to aggressively try to purge that inventory. So Mm -hmm. if that doesn't happen, it'll be because they put huge discounts on it to blow it out. But I think, you know, everything moves in cycles. This is one of the things we talk a lot about in our client meetings is, you know, if things get really extremely out of whack, for example, used car prices over the last two years or so that will eventually come home to roost. So we're starting to see these vehicle manufacturers raise prices to astronomical levels, okay? Mm -hmm. You know, the high-end Escalades are $150,000 MSRP now. Hmm. And so what they're going to do is they're going to blow their foot off and they're going to produce too many vehicles, assuming that everybody's going to buy them up. They're going to be too expensive. And the amount of rebates and the amount of incentives that are going to be coming on the back end of this Mm -hmm. are going to be massive. And I think that this is just one area of several areas where we're going to see some really enticing buying opportunities, I think. So if you're going to pay cash for a vehicle... uh, a used vehicle, you can probably find some deals out there right now. But yeah. if you have to finance it, it's still going to hurt pretty bad because 
the overall price for that vehicle is still going to be a lot if you have to finance it at five, six, seven, eight percent. But the time is coming where we're going to have an, an inventory glut. Mm-hmm. And we're going to have that happening at the same time when the Fed is trying to save things. Right now, they're raising interest rates. But what's coming is maybe it's six months, maybe a year from now, maybe 18 months from now, depending on some factors. They will eventually be cutting rates again. And they're only going to be cutting rates when they need to because the economy is having trouble. And at that moment, there's going to be what you're talking about, where there's going to be way too many vehicles and you're going to be able to get them at decent interest rates. So if you need a car and you need to finance it, wait a little bit longer. If you have the cash and you're needing to buy a vehicle, you know, this could be a decent time because uh, I think the number, most recent number I saw is from the height of 2021, at the very end of 2021, was the height of the used car insaneness. Uh, I think the the average car price discount is down like 31% or something. It's down quite a lot, but I think, you know, it probably still has some more to go, especially given how high the new car prices are now. Well, I had to pick myself up off the floor when you said $150,000 for a brand new Escalade. I mean, $150,000, I would need to live in something like that if I paid $150,000 for a car. And, you know, looking for used inventory, I'm still looking for a brand new 74 AMC Gremlin. So if there are any... <laughs> Car dealers out there who got one of those leftovers on the lot. I'm always- yeah, you know that gives uh, that gives new meaning to living in your car, right, Jeff? <laughs> yeah, they were shaped about like a small house, anyway. They we're, were. That's right. We're talking with Randy and Jake Floyd here, Floyd Financial Group, about current events. So let me ask the question again: What do you think has happened to turn things around like this? Well, so I think Jerome Powell and his monetary policy is starting to gain traction and have some effect. You know, really what happens, you know, the market has been down, down, down. That's been the trend. And we know the market is a predictor of what's coming in the future. And so, you know, we haven't seen the downturn that we're probably going to have yet and the recession that we're going to have. And I do think we're still going to have to have one. But the market has priced in most of this right now. But if he continues to push interest rates up, and people can get 5% interest rates on guaranteed vehicles like, you know, short-term treasuries and things like that. The people that were forced into taking more risk than they'd ever wanted to take over the past few years when interest rates were near zero and people couldn't make any money at the banks or on CDs and that sort of thing. And even bonds were in a situation, you know, a short time ago where they just didn't make any sense to own. So I think it's all starting to have the effect that he's looking for and, you know, Pretty well, it's priced in and baked in the cake right now that he's going to do a 25 basis point increase in February. And people are thinking the same thing for uh, late March is what probably what that timing would be. But I don't know. He may surprise them. There's a lot of dissension, actually, between the Federal Reserve Bank presidents around the countryside, the people that run those. One says it needs to go to six or seven. One says that five is enough. And we'll see. You know, he's going to be data dependent, but I think he's going to have a stiff upper lip and he's going to continue to hold rates for a while. So it's going to make it rocky for the market. And then, of course, this week we have what? All kinds of earnings. We got some of the big mega caps coming in with earnings. So that'll be interesting. Well, we've already had some of those. We'll have some more coming, though, in the coming weeks. So it'll be interesting to watch what happens. What exactly does a stiff upper lip look like? Yeah. (laughs) I've tried to do I've heard, that. I've heard that, but, yeah. but 
I feel like the the mm. face that you're that you're uh, that you're going for there has more than just the upper lip. You know, it's like you do that. <laughs> I've always wondered that. Yeah, I mean, you do that. It looks like you've stepped in something that you didn't want to step in. <laughs> I've never understood that phrase at all either. Randy and Jake here, Floyd Financial Group. We're having fun here on a Saturday morning talking about all things money. Do you think that? And again, I'm a half glass full kind of a guy, so I really, in the worst way, want to think that this is a beginning of a turnaround. What do you guys think? Are we really turning around right now, or do we still have a lot more pain to come throughout 23 and maybe even 24? So we're starting to see the inflation numbers come off the high levels, like eight and nine percent. The problem is, is that the Fed has made it very clear that they intend to get back to two percent. So maybe what we've done so far is get it down to seven, six, maybe even five percent. But as you start to approach two percent, it's going to be much, much more difficult to get to two percent than it is to get back down to five. And they said that we have no intention of changing our target, meaning we're not going to shoot for three or four. We're going to shoot for two. And that just means that there's probably maybe considerably more rate hikes left than most people are thinking more than the market is pricing in. And I think as that story unfolds, even starting Wednesday here, I think we're going to start to see the Fed shift and say, hey, maybe the terminal rate, meaning the highest we're going to go, isn't five or five and a half. Maybe it's closer to six. Because the market, as long as the market does not just keep shrugging off the Fed, that makes the Fed's job harder. And they can't accomplish what they need to accomplish if the market is trying to rally off every little piece of news. So they have to have that stiff upper lip that we talked about, and they have to really convince the market that they're ready to go as high as they need to go with this interest rate to get back to the 2% goal, which is critical. It is very, very important that we do not become accustomed to inflation at the levels that we've seen it. We cannot allow it to be entrenched here. It's crucial. And I do think that the Federal Reserve and Jay Powell do understand that. They understand how big a deal this is. And I just think that the market is living in a dream world a little bit right now of that we're almost done. I don't think we're almost done. I think some of the things that we were talking about earlier and the job cuts that are coming in, those are a result of the policies that the Federal Reserve has put in place. So we see these numbers, and I think you have some of these in front of you there, Jeff. Yeah. That, you know, 10,000 at Microsoft. Go ahead. I'll let you. Right. And Google, 12,000, as you said, 10,000 at Microsoft laying off. Amazon, 18,000 globally. Coinbase, 1,000. Spotify is laying off 6% of its labor force. And I think that this is just the beginning. Those were some alarming figures to me. What do you think? So a couple things about that that I think are really important. Those numbers sound like a lot of jobs. But what we really need is we need to probably cut four or five million jobs Mm. in this country to really have the impact that the Fed is really wanting to have. Certainly three million. And I think, you know, 10,000 is is a step in that direction, but it's arguably not even close to what we're going to see. The other thing that we talked about a couple of weeks ago is that only 25% of the total jobs out there are controlled by Fortune 500 companies, S&P 500 companies, meaning major publicly traded companies only employ about 25% of the people. Small and medium-sized business are the ones that, that control the lion's share of the jobs out there. And I don't know about you, but every Every place I go, every place I shop, every yeah. restaurant I go to still has a sign right on the front door that says yeah. 
please, I'm begging you, fill out an application. I see that too. That is absolutely amazing. In my life, I have never seen that sort of circumstance. So let's hope that things turn around here sooner than later. We're talking with our Andy and Jake Floyd, Floyd Financial Group. Once again, listening to the program today. If you'd like to get in and sit down and uh, talk with Randy and Jake about your individual situation, see how you can maybe not only make yourself survive retirement, but also thrive in retirement. Maybe you want some help with your portfolio if you do not have an advisor and you want to see what Randy and Jay can do for you. Call them up at uh, 417-889-7233, 417-889-7233, and request your no-cost, no-obligation, most importantly, no-judgment financial plan. That's right. Nobody's going to judge you and say, hey, listen, you don't have this money. They are here to help you no matter what your circumstance is. As Randy has said many times, we will meet you where you are. 417-889-7233. You can also request your plan online at floydfinancialgroup.com. Gentlemen, time for a break. We'll be right back with more of our show right here on 104.1 FM KSGF, where Springfield comes to talk. Ready for a heaping helping of some more real talk? Thought so. Here's another serving of Show Me the Money with your server, Randy Floyd. Welcome back, everybody. This is Randy and Jake. You're listening to Show Me the Money. And in this segment, we're going to be talking about what to do if recession hits when you're headed into retirement. And I guess the first question, Randy, is are we in a recession? Are we headed into recession? Have we been in a recession? What's your opinion on that? So I guess we first need to uh, identify a couple of things. Number one, we have the stock market that's down, which is not the economy. And then we have the economy that is maybe starting to show some signs maybe show some signs of slowing. Housing prices are down a little bit and that sort of thing. But those are two different things. So have we actually had a recession yet? No, I don't think so. People are still spending quite readily, as we've talked about earlier. Is the market predicting a recession? Yes, it has been predicting one for a little while. But, you know, really what we want to talk about here is, you know, if you're thinking of retiring right now and you may be retiring into a recession, is that something we can do? And we may even have a bigger market downturn coming than we have right now, especially if Jerome Powell keeps his foot on the gas with uh, interest rates like we talked about earlier. But I think probably the biggest thing is what to do, you know, is the, the topic here if you're headed into retirement and a recession hits. Number one, every time we sit with somebody, we're going to have thought about hey, what happens during the next economic slowdown? I mean, we're going to think about that every time. For Jake and I, that's like the number one concern because we know markets are going to come up, they're going to go down, they're going to go sideways. We're going to have things happen that we didn't predict. So the first thing is having thought about it and having a plan, you know, really to address that. Now, there's some practical things that we can talk about that you can do during this time, but really the long and the short of it is most people really haven't thought about it and that's nothing against them or nothing not not detrimental to them it's just that this is probably the first time they've retired right (laughs) so they haven't really thought about how different it is when you don't have the prospects of a job or have a job and you're in retirement and you got to live on what you've saved Because we do not know when or if a recession is going to hit, when you make these financial plans at Floyd Financial Group, do you stress test them? I mean, do you build in figures that, you know, sort of mimic a recession? We do. We we look at everything through that hourglass of what happens under stress. Now, we want to make money for people. We want them to have good returns on their investments. But we look at everything. For us, we have to sit here and we have to think, okay, so what's the worst thing that can happen? And when that thing happens, how do we come out? How does our client 
come out? What does that look like? So, yes, we do absolutely think about, you know, what happens in the next down market, what happens in the next interest rate hike, what happens in the next interest rate downturn. All those things come into play when we're building financial plans. 68% of people have no recession strategy, according to a survey by Go Banking Rates, Randy. And I know that you have been in this business for a long period of time. You have actually retired people during past recessions and past downturns. What has been the strategy that you have used for people going into retirement during a recession? So basically, we have a three-bucket strategy that we use a lot of times. Sometimes it's two, but many times it's a three-bucket strategy where we have what I would call a little bit of a, a riskier bucket, a medium bucket, and then one that has no loss potential whatsoever. So by blending those three and using math and looking at people's risk tolerance and their appetite for risk and how much money they need off their retirement portfolio and building that, we can you know pretty well... I won't say we can predict with accuracy, but we can mathematically shift the odds in our favor to help them escape a lot of pain (laughs) during a recession, (laughs) if you would, in many cases. So, But, you know, it's a process of sitting down with the client, getting to know them, finding out what they need to have in retirement, looking at what they've saved, how it's invested, and how we might improve upon that. I think one thing to think about here, too, is while the safety portion is important, and most of the people that come in that have saved enough money, the number one thing we have to do is not make a big mistake, right? The biggest thing they need to not do is they need to not lose 30, 40, 50% of the money. And as long as they don't do that, they'll be fine. But while we're talking about safety, I think it's important to remember that we also do need to make some money on our money. And I think that putting the cash in your mattress will protect it against stock market loss. Mm Mm-hmm but it will not protect you against inflation or against your spending of your money in retirement. And I think that first and foremost, like Randy said, we need to take that big mistake out of the equation, meaning we need to we need to have an adequate amount of safety. But in that lens, we also need to make sure that we can still capture the lion's share of the gains when markets come in well. And I think that that is how the plan kind of comes together. And we talk about the plan all the time. You know, how do we mitigate loss and still capture most of the gain when markets give us the thumbs up instead of the thumbs down, right? And I think that's really what the plan is about. So if I'm hearing you correctly, Randy and Jake, really this is about math and science figuring this out. There's really no magic to surviving a recession. It's sitting down and using your math and science skills, right? Right. That, and you know, there's just some practical things to do too. You know, rather than e- eating out 15 times a month, let's eat, just eat out 10 times a month or something like that. You <laughs> Five know, because, times, yeah. You know, a lot of us, I would say that in this country, we're a little bit spoiled. I yeah, mean, yeah. we, on a daily basis, most of us, you know, we don't really worry that much about where our next meal is coming from and, and we do spend money eating out. But the, look at ways to maybe spend a little bit less during this time, knowing that as we get through this cycle, if we don't spend too much money here, we will have that much more money to work for us on the rebound. You know, look at ways you might trim your budget a little bit. You know, one of the things that Lisa and I kind of like to do is we have this gas fireplace Mm -hmm. we like to sit in front of, you know, and kind of warm our tootsies right there. And literally burn money. (laughs) You are literally, you're literally burning money is what you're doing right now (laughs) doing that, (laughs) you know. So there's just a lot of things that are practical things that you can do it. And there's some low-hanging fruit there. Like I said, eating out, yeah. maybe maybe you don't take 
take that extra trip to Florida that that you were going to have for maybe this this year, but maybe you'll you'll have a better trip next year. You know, maybe we uh, just try to not spend so much out of our investments. Maybe use some of our rainy day fund that we have on the side. Mm-hmm. Also, I would say this. You know, when when we have these times, we need to probably revisit as Jake and I do all the time. How are we investing money? Where can we go? And you know, sometimes. And this has really been the case in 2022. Short of being invested in oil and gas, there was really no money to be made mm-hmm. anywhere, really. And it was a tough thing. Now, in March, when Jerome Powell started raising interest rates, and he did that three or four times, and then it got up to where he had had the interest rate at three and a half and four percent. Now we started to see that fixed income all of a sudden maybe has some legs, and that's some stuff that we're really starting to do quite a bit of work with right now. Just because uh, there's some places to go where money is safe, we can make at least a return on our money while this market is turning around. And it's funny you should mention the fireplace thing, uh, Randy, because my wife and I uh, do exactly the same thing. We open up the doors and we sit there, watch a movie on Sunday night, but we do have the fireplace going and it does heat the living room. And there are a lot of things that we have done to prepare for a recession. And I think it's just because we're conservative, but you know, we had an extra car we didn't need. So we got rid of that. We're closing off rooms that we don't want to heat. So as I said, there are so many things that you can do and among them not going out to eat. We haven't done that a lot either. We're talking with Randy and Jake Floyd here about retiring during a recession. Randy, you talked earlier about stuffing money into a mattress. Obviously, it doesn't make anything and uh, it really loses because of inflation. Are there some cash or cash alternatives that are realistic these days that you can make a little money and still keep them as safe as just cash in the mattress? You know, Jeff, I'm going to take this question from you. I think that, you know, for a long time, there was what was known as the TINA trade. Right. Uh, When interest rates were zero, the TINA was an acronym for there is no alternative, meaning there was no alternative to the stock market because you couldn't get any money at CDs or cash or the bank or anywhere else, as many of you are aware and probably tried to find some yield yourself. But since the rate now, the Fed funds rate now is at four and a quarter, Mm -hmm. that really produces some interesting opportunities in short-term treasuries, but also just money market accounts. We have money market accounts right now north of 4.3% that we have access to. So, you know, if you're sitting on a lot of cash and you want to put some of that to work, we can certainly help with that. And we're talking good quality money markets. But I think that because of that, that's going to put some pressure on the market at some point. If we keep raising interest rates, let's say we raise to five from four and a quarter over the next three meetings. Now we're going to have 5% money markets. I don't Mm. know about you, but 5% money market with no loss potential sounds pretty good in this environment. And I think a lot of other people might think it sounds pretty good, which means they may start taking money out of stocks and sticking it in these money market accounts, which is going to obviously put downward pressure on stocks. So that's one of 10 potential risks to the S&P 500 and stocks in general that are kind of on the horizon. You know, is it possible that we can dodge all the potential pitfalls in the market and the market could go higher? Yes, that's possible. That's why we are still partially invested. We have quite a bit of money in those money markets right now inside of our client accounts, but we do still have some money in stocks, stocks that we we are, you know, long-term believers in that we think are on sale right now that will be higher later, but you know, if if you, if you are one of those people that has quite a bit of money in savings and, and are looking for a home to put some of that money in and make a little bit of interest, 
give us a ring and we'll, uh, you know, Jeff will tell you how to do that here toward the end of the show. But I think that, you know, there's some really good opportunities out there right now for liquid safe money. Well, with money markets, as you said, 4.3%, you're able to get that for people. Why not just give the number now? Because I want it. 417-889-7233. If you want to see what Randy and Jake can do for you, 417-889-7233. Ask about that 4.3% money market. That brings me to ask about CD rates. Where are they right now? And are we looking for them to increase as well? Yeah, CD rates are coming along right now. In fact, if you drive up and down the road right now, you'll see something you haven't seen in a long time. And that's about every bank is offering yeah. uh, CDs right now. They got them on their marquees, their little digital signs. So a couple of things I would say. Number one, they are somewhere between what I'm seeing around here, 3% for nine months up to 4% for 17 to 24 months. One of the things I would say is while that sounds good and, and looks pretty good, there are shorter terms that can be purchased that we have access to much, much shorter terms at roughly those same rates. Because here's the thing, while 4% sounds really good today, on the other side of this, when this turns around and the market rallies 24%, 25% in a year, and I can't predict that exactly, but I will tell you, historically, after we have a downturn like this, the market tends to rip up the other side. So if we're locked into something where we have to give up most of our interest or a lot of our interest, some of these bank CDs now are not very forgiving. If you pull the money out early, used to be it was a quarter or maybe six months of your earnings. Sometimes now it's all of it that they want back if you don't hold it to term. So we want to make sure that we are doing uh, the right thing where we keep money liquid short term so that when this market does turn and it rips up the other side, we're ready to go back to work. And those money markets that we were talking about earlier, those money market funds fit that bill where we can put that money in there today and tomorrow if necessary, we can take that money out and put it to work in the market or wherever else that we need to have it. So it is liquid. And again, it, it's the reason why we bring it up is because it's been so long since we've had liquid money that yeah. actually made something. Well, if you're listening to us this morning and you'd like to get in on these rates, 4.3% money market, CD rates on the rise, or if you're just wondering whether or not you can retire during a recession, certainly Randy and Jake have done that for many, many years now. Call 417-889-7233 to get in, sit down with Randy and Jake, ask your individual questions to get your individual answers. There are no blanket strategies at Floyd Financial Group. 417-889-7233. And again, no cost, no obligation, and most importantly, no judgment. You can also request your plan online at floydfinancialgroup.com. It's floydfinancialgroup.com. You're listening to Show Me the Money. Glad you could join us this fine Saturday morning. We'll take a quick break. Be right back with more of our show right here on 104.1 KSGF, where Springfield comes to talk. Ready to climb a mountain of financial know-how? Good. Because it's time for more Show Me the Money with your financial Sherpa, Randy Floyd. Welcome back, everybody. This is Randy and Jake. You're listening to Show Me the Money. And in this segment, we're going to talk about planning ahead for taxes and retirement. And Randy, I think that tax season certainly comes at the beginning of the year. But for me, and I think for most people, they should really consider the tax season is every day of the year because that is one of the biggest expenses that you'll have in retirement is taxes. And there are many ways that you can mitigate taxes with a proper financial plan. But for right now, we'll talk about how to plan ahead for taxes in retirement. What is, do you think, the number one thing that people could do to mitigate taxes in retirement? 
Well, number one, I think people need to understand how things are going to be taxed. And so there's different categories of taxation and and how those things get taxed. You know, a lot of people need to be aware if you've got a state pension or something like that, a lot of people that realize you get a special tax break on your pension that's through like the state of Missouri. If you're a teacher or if you're uh, work, you know, maybe as a firefighter or those sorts of things, you are able to not pay taxes uh, on the first $100,000 of those pensions. And so that's kind of a big tax advantage that people don't really know is out there. And the only reason I kind of bring that up is that's not really something that's necessarily a tax plan, but that's just kind of a windfall that you get (laughs) that you don't know is coming. So that's kind of a, a nice piece there. But I would say that really the biggest thing is you need to have someone that you can sit down with and talk about right. how taxes work once you get to retirement. Because Social Security, a lot of people think that Social Security is not taxable because after all, Jeff, they taxed us so they could pay us, right? Exactly. <laughs> and so now they want to tax it again, again. when they give it back. Oh. And that's just the way it's been. I think since about 1983 is when all that changed. But a lot of people mm. think that Social Security is not taxable. But depending on how much your income is, for a single filer, you know, if you're between twenty-five and thirty-four thousand, you'll pay on fifty percent of your social security income. If you make more than thirty-four thousand taxable as an individual, you'll pay on eighty-five percent of that. And of course, if you're married between thirty-two and forty-four thousand, you'll pay uh, on fifty percent of your social, and uh, forty-four thousand and up, you'll pay on eighty-five percent of your social security benefit. Now, that's not eighty-five percent tax, right? But what you pay taxes on, and then your tax bracket would apply to that. But a lot of people don't realize that, you know, that Social Security is taxable. And how you go about pulling other income and combining that with Social Security has a pretty dramatic effect on how that gets taxed. And once again, I want to go back to something that you said, and that is, I think the number one thing is to have a plan that accounts for taxation. But number two, if it's not number one, is to have somebody in your corner who understands these things. And of course, at Floyd Financial Group, we call on Rod Link to help us out with that sort of thing, too. And as I said, I mean, tax planning all year round, ultra, ultra important. So, Randy, you know, when I think about mitigating taxes in retirement, I think about tax deferred or tax free accounts. To that end, what are some of the things that we should consider in terms of the type of accounts that we have? Yeah. So, you know, when we're working, depending on what our income level is, whether we do a, a traditional 401k, maybe where we have, we, we put the money in pre-tax, knowing that it's all going to be taxable in retirement versus maybe funding a Roth 401k where we know we don't get any benefit today, but tomorrow we're going to get benefit. That is an individualized thing that we need to look at because depending on your income today, you may be in a much higher tax bracket than you will be in retirement. Currently, you know, uh, one of the things that I find quite interesting is for the average person that kind of walks in the door here, I mean, with the Social Security that they would get as an average payment and what they take maybe from a, re- a regular deferred retirement plan, we can get up to $105,000, $106,000 a year in gross income and still fall in the 12% tax bracket federally. So for me, I mean, I, th- I think that's pretty good. I mean, even if we went back before the, the Trump tax plan, we'd have been in the 15% tax bracket, which still isn't all that bad because most people today, when we look at our paychecks, we look at our gross pay and we see it after the state and local you know, taxes come out, the federal taxes, the Medicare, Medicaid, all those mm-hmm. sorts of things. And then if we fund a 401k, many times we're getting home with half the paycheck we started with, right? right? Right. So when we get into 
to retirement, it's a lot different because you're not funding so many of those things. And taxes, for the most part, if you stay where I would call where middle Americans live, and that's between probably seventy and 105000 taxes are still pretty manageable and not that bad. Now, when we look at ways to mitigate even those taxes, a lot of people come in and say, hey, Randy, should I do a Roth conversion on my 401k or my IRA? I will tell them this, that if you want to do it partially or if you have a length of time to get that done, it's probably something we should consider. But many times what we want to do if we're going to convert those funds is we want to keep you within the same tax bracket you're currently in and try to keep you in that lower one, that 12% bracket currently because the next bracket up is, guess what, Jeff, 22% once we breach that. So we certainly don't want to pay an additional 10% on money that we are trying to convert if we can help it. So again, the Roth conversation is a good one to have, and it can sometimes make sense for people, but not always. It just depends on where you are uh, in life and how much money you have to convert. And maybe in some cases it does make sense, but if you're already creeping up into the 22, the 24% tax bracket plus five for the state of Missouri, man, I don't know if you're Given at 30%, we have to really consider and do some math and see if that makes sense. We're talking with Randy and Jake here at Floyd Financial Group about mitigating taxes in retirement. Randy, when you think about deferring taxes in retirement, how does a health savings account play into that or does it? Yeah, it does. I mean, we can put money in a health savings account. We can use that for tax-free dollars for health issues later to everything from prescription drugs to eyeglasses and all those sorts of things. And, you know, so they can really be an an additional way to save additional money pre-tax. So if you're looking for some tax benefits, if if you're not working anymore, you don't have a 401k, or if you don't have a 401k at work, or if you're working part-time and don't have access to one, you can fund an HSA as well as, uh, let's see, this year for people 50 and older, 7,500 each into IRA accounts. That being said, I think that maybe since the SECURE Act, this may be the first time in American history that putting money away pre-tax may or may not be the right thing to do based on your situation. Mm -hmm. Now, it feels good to save tax money now, but if you have quite a bit of qualified money or IRA money and you have a single beneficiary, let's say, that's going to inherit that money, because of the SECURE Act, they have to take that money out over a 10-year period. Well, if they're making $150,000 a year and you're making 50000 a year and you're saving money at your tax bracket, but it's going to cause them to pay more taxes at their tax bracket when they inherit the money, you could argue that it maybe makes sense to not tax defer that depending on your goals and depending on your situation. Uh, If your goal is to spend all your money, that's kind of a different story. But if you are planning to pass money to your beneficiaries, that's probably worth having a conversation about and see kind of how that tax situation would play out with your individual goals and your family and exactly how all that works. We're talking with Randy and Jake about mitigating taxes in retirement. And of course, tax is a hot button with most people listening to this program. You mentioned earlier the 2017 Tax Cuts and Jobs Act bill there. Do you think that depending upon who gets into office here, that that could possibly be extended beyond the sunset of 2025. I think that the uh, the Federal Reserve is on the uh, more on the mode of the Job Cuts and Tax Act uh, right now. But uh, I'll let Randy answer your original question. <laughs> So here's what I think, Jeff. I think that if we get a Republican back in office, that yes, that deal will probably be carried forward or could be for sure and and renewed. I think if we get Democrats in office, I don't think so. I think that I heard a guy talking just the other day. He said that the Democrats only see two ways, you know, 
taxes either go up, taxes go down. And so when taxes go up, they think that's good. When taxes go down, they think that's bad. So they look at it two-dimensionally. There is no middle ground and there is no other way. I think that my take on that, and I think the general thought process behind the Republican point of view is if you let people have more of what they've earned and keep more of it, the people that make things happen, the motivated in this country, will do more with that, not less. There was a guy by the name of Annan that was an advisor to President Roosevelt that said this. He said, you know, if we don't do something here, people in America will get too rich and too fat and they won't work. Hmm. And he said, that's why you have to have a progressive tax system. Yeah, I think that he was mistaken there because the people that make America great, of course, we all do. We all have our contribution. But the ones that are the biggest contributors, the ones that are working the hardest, the ones that are producing, those are the ones that, that don't get fat and happy. They're right. happy to try to produce and grow and make things happen and change and innovate and do all those things. So I think that you know this progressive tax thing, I'm not the biggest fan of it just because I don't think it makes sense for you, Jeff, to pay more right. to use the same highways and park systems right. that I do. I also think, you know, because of those types of initiatives, we're seeing a resurgence of, you know, the fair tax getting a vote in Congress here pretty much as we're talking. It's going, you know, they're trying to get that on the floor to get voted on. And for those that don't know, the fair tax is basically a consumption tax. So they do away with the the traditional income tax and it's based off of what you spend instead of off what you earn. And I I think that, you know, I don't know that that's the right answer either, but I think it's healthy to discuss the tax system, the way it works, and really, you know, have some push and pull on it and make it the best that it can be. Because if you if if you leave anything status quo too long, it can get old and rusty. But I think I agree with Randy. I think that you know it doesn't make sense for thirty percent, forty percent of America to pay for a hundred percent of America, and that's currently the way the system works. And we can't have a discussion on this program about taxes without acknowledging Rod Link of your organization. Real quick, what contribution? does Rod make to your clients? Well, you know, Rod is uh, in here in the office one day a week. He has another business down in Nixon that he's operated for many years, professional tax and accounting, but he also has another company called Linked Tax Solutions that he works one day a week here in the office helping our clients figure out taxation strategies. And and uh, actually, even some small business owners come in and he helps them kind of get things set up for bookkeeping and all that sort of thing. And I will tell you that he's invaluable for us and our business as far as our taxes and tax planning. And I think he could be the same for a lot of people listening to this program. So if you're looking for someone that can help you with really understanding how your business operates, the costs and what's deductible, what's not, and how to, you know, maybe uh, have your company take advantage of all the tax breaks that are out there, Rod is certainly somebody that could really lend a huge helping hand in that. If you're listening to the program this morning, you have questions or concerns about taxes in your retirement, get in and get your no-cost, no-obligation financial plan. No judgment either. 417-889-7233. 417 You can also request your plan online at floydfinancialgroup.com. Time for a break, gentlemen. We'll be right back with more of our show right here on 104.1 FM KSGF, where Springfield comes to talk. People of the Ozarks, step away from the fishing pole and prepare to be shown the money because we're back with more Straight Talk with Randy Floyd. 
Welcome back, everybody. This is Randy and Jake. You're listening to Show Me the Money. And the question I get all the time, Jeff, is, hey, I'm getting ready to retire. What do I do with this 401k, 457, 403b, depending on who you work for? What do we do with that retirement savings plan? And Randy, I guess the first option, and I don't know if it's the best option, but the first option would be to do nothing and just leave it right where it is. Is that a good thing, a bad thing? What do you think? Well, you know, the federal government has a lot to say about that, the IRS especially. So they have this thing out there called the special tax notice that every potential retiree gets in their mailbox once in a while. And when they get ready to retire, they always want to know, have you had a chance to review the special tax notice? So the special tax notice says this, hey, you don't have to do anything with your 401k. Or you can roll it out, a tax-free rollover, if you will, into a traditional IRA. And we'll talk about why we might want to do that. You can convert it to a Roth and pay all the taxes. You can take a withdrawal to yourself and pay all the taxes. Or you can do any combination thereof. Now, that's a four-page document paraphrased in 200 words. So (laughs) that's basically what that thing says. So really what it boils down to is rolling your money out of a 401k when you leave the company. There's a couple of reasons you would want to do that. Number one, we have found by most people coming in here, I'm not saying this, I'm just telling you by most people coming in here, that they don't feel very connected to their money in their 401k. I mean, yeah, they know it's there and it's kind of in the back of their mind, but you know, nobody really talks to them much about their investments or if they do, it's one time a year. And so once they leave a place, we see people come in here and it's been years since they've even talked to anybody about it at all or even looked at it. And so one of the things we think that's really important is that people are connected to their money and they have somebody to talk to about the investments they have. And the fact that investments need to change from time to time, especially if you were one that you've had your 401k since you're in your 20s, 30s, 40s, and 50s. Now you're in your 60s, you're retiring. We got to make sure we have a different portfolio build than we have inside the 401k in many cases, because generally what's in there is what? Mutual funds. Mm -hmm. And in today's world, those mutual funds, I mean, those 401ks are riddled with target date funds, meaning the 2025 retirement fund, the 2030, the 2035, the 2040. And those in many cases are built on what I would call less than completely enlightened in today's terms, financial markets understanding. Okay. (laughs) They just are, they're just not really built optimally for the retiree. So we always tell people that the first thing we want to do is generally roll that out into a traditional IRA. There's no taxable event there, but all of a sudden we have the whole world of investing open to us and we can go about building a program that gives people three things. Number one, gives them growth potential with a certain amount of safety and the amount of liquidity that they need so that they can go and live their lives in retirement and really enjoy that. So, you know, that's What we do around here a lot is help people make that move, help them roll those funds over into a traditional IRA. And I want to point out, too, something that you said, if it went, you know, by the wayside when people were listening here, is that when you have your money in a 401k, you don't have a lot of choices. But when you do roll it over into an IRA, there are really many, many more choices. Right, Randy? Oh, yeah, because, again, what's inside most 401ks are mutual funds. And so you have a very limited number. Generally, there's 25 or 30 funds maybe that are out there. There might be a few more target-dated funds. But, again, and a lot of times people don't understand what they own. And most people, while the prospectus is available on all those things, most people are not going to go out and read the prospectus. What they're going to do is they're going to look at the last five years, 10 years, and maybe historical return, not understanding where we may be in a market cycle or not be in a market 
market cycle and how that would affect them. They make that decision. And many times chasing a return is exactly the wrong thing to do. And another choice that you have when rolling your money out of a 401k into an IRA is whether you do a direct rollover or a 60-day rollover. What is the difference between those two? Basically, you have a 60-day window from the time that money would be paid out to you and you know getting it back into a retirement plan. Now, let me let me caution people on this. If you're going to take that money out of your 401k and have a check sent to you, they're going to automatically withhold 20% federal taxes. Mm-hmm. And you're going to be in a situation where that you don't want to be in. So, we don't recommend that people do that. Now, if you have an IRA, that's a little different because once you have it outside of a qualified employer plan in a traditional IRA, you can move money around like that. But again, I would suggest that the best way to do that is a rollover from your 401k where it, they write the check to the new custodian, whether that's you know a Merrill Lynch, a TD Ameritrade, or whoever's going to have that money for the benefit of the person that owns it. That's the way we want to do it because it's clean, it's simple. There's, there's nothing you have to do beyond that to make sure that there's no taxable event. If you have a traditional IRA and they're going to write you the check, you have that 60-day window to redeposit that exact amount into another IRA and not be subject to taxation. And this option is not widely discussed, but uh, 401k plans may offer you the option to convert the savings into an annuity. What do you think about that strategy? You know, I guess it would depend on the annuity and a lot of people, you know, do that. The biggest problem I have with looking at taking a lump sum like that and putting it into an annuity contract, what they're going to do is put it into what's called an immediate annuity where it guarantees mm-hmm. you a payout for your lifetime and maybe the lifetime of your spouse. You'll have several options on that. But the biggest problem with that is is you give up the whole lump sum of cash. And I don't know about you, you know, of course, I'm a baby boomer, right? So I like to have my cake and eat it too. So I I want to be able to have the cash and go ahead and still have the availability to draw the income. And really, in most cases, Jeff, if you can make a five or 6% return, you can have the same money or more than what you would have in that retirement annuity pension and have your cash as well. So I always tell people, you know, unless there's just an incredibly sweet deal, and we've seen a few of those over the years. I mean, a very few. Generally, there's going to be a between a four and a five or maybe a six percent payout by converting. And you just really give up too much. You give up options as well as the lump sum cash. But if you're making that decision, it's best to not make a quick or a rash decision. And if you've got more than $5,000 in your 401k, you can't be forced into a rash or quick decision. What if you have under $5,000 in that 401k, Randy? Generally, when you leave employment, what they're going to do is they're going to roll that over into a traditional IRA, probably with the same company that uh, is hosting your current 401k plan, whether that be a principal or a Fidelity or a, you know Schwab, whoever that may be. That's what typically is going to happen. Is there ever an occasion, Randy, where you just take the money out, you just take that lump sum and just go for it and use it? Have you ever seen people who have done that because they just needed the money? I have. And, and here's the thing I would say, and I, th- I think we need to define need. Okay. <laughs> Here, maybe. I need Might that be. Escalade, right. It's, it's kind of like back in the Clinton days. Well, what's the definition of is, right? So, um, so, so I, I think that we, we have to talk about that a little bit. I see this once in a while. You know, a lot of people out there today have two, three, three and a half percent mortgages on their home. Mm-hmm. And when they get ready to retire, they want to pay those mortgages off. Mm-hmm. And while I understand how that can be. And sometimes people say, well, you know, I just don't want to have any debt. I just want to be totally out of debt when I retire. 
that's great, and I can appreciate that. If you've got a $200,000 remaining balance on your house that you're going to pay off, and you have to pay that off with pre-tax money out of a 401k, when you take that out and combine it with your regular income, you're probably going to pay 30 to 35% in addition. So if, so in other words, if you need 200000 it's probably going to cost you 260000 to pay off that debt. I'm not sure that when you have interest rates at that level, that makes good sense to do, especially if you have a proper retirement plan where we know that we're not going to put ourselves in a position to run out of money looking forward. I just have to say that many times it does not make sense to pay off that house. Now, again, I'm not going to tell people what to do, but I'm just going to say from a financial perspective, and sometimes it goes beyond financial. It comes down to personal process for people and how they want to live and, and you know what makes sense to them. But financially speaking, if you've got a low interest rate, it doesn't make sense to reach in and pay 30% taxes because you won't pay that much uh, in interest in a very long time. And keep in mind, too, that if you do withdraw a lump sum from your 401k, it's possible you could lose up to a third of your retirement savings to taxes and penalties. And even worse, if you take a large lump sum withdrawal, the added income could bump you up into a higher tax bracket. We've been talking with Randy and Jake here, Floyd Financial Group, about what to do if you're faced with a decision as to what to do with your 401k. Should you roll it into an IRA? It's a great discussion to have with Randy, Jake at Floyd Financial Group. Once again, if you would like a no-cost, no-obligation, most importantly, no-judgment plan with Randy and Jake at Floyd Financial Group, call 417-89-7233, 417-89-7233. You can also request your plan online at floydfinancialgroup.com. Gentlemen, out of time for this week week. I want to thank you for your time, but most importantly, I want to thank the fine people here of the last bastion of sanity, Springfield, Missouri, for joining us. For Randy and Jake, I'm Jeff Shade. Get out. Have a great weekend in this great part of the country that we live in. We'll talk again next week with another edition of Show Me the Money right here on 104.1 FM. KSGF, where Springfield comes to talk.